Good morning. Yes, so good to see you guys here. Welcome to Lake Point Church. And uh, some of you, this is maybe your first time with us. We're glad that you're here today on this Labor Day weekend. And a uh, good crowd here for Labor Day. We've got some people out trying to get their last bit of vacation in before school starts on Tuesday, right? I think for most of us, school starts on Tuesday. I know some of our private schools, they've started already. And um, now my kids, you know, we're in a private school, but the building's under construction, so they get a, a whole nother week of summer, so they don't start till a week from tomorrow. But they're excited, but Karen and I are like, oh, come on now, you know, let's get them out, you know, but we've got, they've got another week. But for the most part, this week, and it's so good to see you here. If you are a guest with us, thank you for being here. And in your program, you should have got one as you came in, the Fit Your Upper program. As you open it, there's a little connection card. Take a minute, fill it out. Let us know about your visit with us this morning. And uh, so next week, we're um, going to have a special service. I hope that next week you'll be here. Next Sunday, we're, we are going to take time to reflect on the cross, focus on the cross. We're going to have communion next Sunday. As we kick off the school year, we want to get our heart right, get our heart prepared, put our place where it belongs in, in the eyes of God. And, um, and I think next Sunday could be a great Sunday. Hope you'll be here. And then the following Sunday, the 16th, we're having barbecue and baptism Sunday. And it's going to be a great day. We're going to have food. But more important than that, we're going to see people making decisions and taking the next step in their faith, in their walk with Christ. Now, perhaps you're here, and that's your decision you need to make. That's your next step. You've asked Christ to come in your life, but you've never made a public profession of your faith in believer's baptism. And I'm going to encourage you. I'm going to encourage you to be a part of that Sunday. We're going to do it outside after the service, in front of the cross, in the front. We're going to have you know, cookout. You know, uh, a food afterwards. I'm going to be outside. I'm going to be up front. I pray for good weather. If the weather is bad, we're just going to keep it inside. We'll do it here. So one way or the other, it's happening in two weeks on the 20, I'm sorry, on the 16th. And if you're here, you need to get baptized. Or maybe you, you want to rededicate. Someone say, hey, you know, I got baptized a long time ago, and I'm thinking about, you know, I want to get my heart right where it belongs. I think kind of here and there, and I just want to get back into it, and I want to rededicate my life and baptism, and I'm invited to do so as well. Some of you have asked me about that. Feel free to be a part of it, and, um, and be a part of this special Sunday. And so, well, good. Well, hey, we are finalizing, finishing up our series today on Fistle Upper. Finishing up the message series on Fistle Upper, building godly marriages. Building Godly marriages. I, I want to review a few things real quickly, and then we'll dive into the message topic as we finish this sermon series. Um, first of all, we said that all marriages starts as a fisher upper. Uh, every marriage starts as a fisher upper. We talk about that in week one. Now, when you're dating, remember, when you're dating, everything looks perfect. You know, the, the, the girl sees the perfect man, the man sees the perfect, you know, woman, and they're, they're excited, 
It's a man, this is going to be the perfect marriage. And you get married, and you realize that behind the scene of perfection, everything is being held up by duct tape. You know what I'm talking about? Everything just looks like holy smoke. You know, he's not as perfect as I thought he was. Or she's not as perfect as I thought she was. You know, she's a mess. He's a mess. You married into a mess. And, and that's the reality. Every marriage is a fissure upper. Marriage is high maintenance. It takes work. You're constantly working on your marriage. You're constantly working on you in the marriage. But oftentimes we want to say, I got to fix my husband. But biblically speaking, you need to fix you. You need to work on your relationship with God. Oftentimes, you can't change your husband. You can't change your wife. But you can start with you. You're working on your marriage. You're working on you. It's high maintenance. It takes work. It takes work. And then we talk about the different habits. Every week, I don't know if you've seen the different habits, but these are the different things, the different disciplines, that as you work on your marriage, that you should incorporate these four areas. Actually, there'll be five areas at the end of today. But these five different habits, the very first one, so foundational to the fixture up of marriage, is to seek God. It's to seek God. We'll talk about making sure that is a priority. Protect the priority. Make God your one and your spouse your two. Your spouse is never your number one. Your spouse is always number two in underneath the umbrella of God. You keep God number one. The Bible says to seek him first and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. What are all these things? You name it. You name the all these things. You name it. You want a great marriage? You start with God number one. Make him first place in your marriage. And we challenge you to start praying. To make a habit of prayer. To make a habit of prayer on a weekly, on a daily basis. To focus, to get together with your husband and wife. And you say, man, that's kind of awkward. I challenge you to get over your awkwardness. Get over your ego. And humble yourself. And pray. Pray with your wife. Pray with your husband. Just pray. And start praying. And pray every day. Find time. You say, well, we've got busy life. You can find time. I promise you, there is time if you make it a priority to seek God. And then we talk about a second habit. We talk about in week number two, holding nothing back. That we're all in in our marriage. All in. In other words, we are to serve one another. And the, and the, and the assignment for you that week, in week number two, was to ask the question, Honey, how can I serve you today? How can I serve you this week? How can I be a servant in this marriage? Holding nothing back. Always submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. And in the third week, we talk about very important. It's very important to fix up a marriage to have fun. All right, remember, we talk about have fun. There's many different ways to have fun. All right, you got the face-to-face -face time. 
All right, that's the communication part. That's so important. All right, there's the side-to-side fun. You know, that's where you're doing life together, enjoying each other, going on dates, having fun. And then we we'll talk about the third type of fun. Y'all remember this? Belly button to belly button fun. That's right. All right. That's for the May guys. That's for the May people. All right. Having fun. Intimacy. So important. We'll talk about the importance of keeping your marriage safe from impurity, from fornication. That's, that's outside. Immorality outside of the marriage. We'll talk about protecting the marriage, but having fun. So important in the fifth step of marriage. Then last week, Pastor Tom, he spoke. I wasn't here. I was in Florida on a, on a, a last-minute trip to go see a friend who passed away um, to be a part of his funeral. But Pastor Tom spoke, and I was able to watch a little bit of the service before our service starts on Sunday morning. I attended a service down there. And, uh, and so the time change allowed me to watch a little bit of late point service in a waffle house, all right? I was eating pancakes. No, I'm sorry, not pancakes. A waffle, all right? You eat a waffle in a waffle house with warm syrup and a coffee. And I was watching Pastor Tom doing a great job. And he talked about last week on how to fight fair. Gave you rules of engagement, rules of how to fight fair. And it's important to manage the conflicts. Because let's just be honest. The conflicts are going to happen. But the conflict is not necessarily a bad thing. The conflict, through those conflicts, we can learn more about each other. Through those conflicts, we see the passion that we're passionate about. But we've got to manage those conflicts. You've got to fight fair. Because if you fight unfair, or if you have mismanaged conflicts, then that can be uh, detrimental to the marriage. And so we talked about that last week, fight unfair. Today... I want to talk about the fifth habit, and it's never give up. Never given up. Never given up in your marriage. Now, I just want to say as I start this, I'm not talking about you staying in an abusive marriage where you're the punching bag or where your spouse is just tearing you up. In that case, I believe it's healthy to separate and to get counseling and to make sure that you're safe and to work on your marriage. So I don't want anybody getting roughed up. You know, that's not what I'm saying here. And if there's someone roughing you up, we want to make sure you get some help. I am saying, though, that in our marriage, we don't give up. Now, I also want to say this. For those of you that had a marriage that ended, you divorced, I don't want you this morning to feel a lot of guilt because chances are you've already experienced guilt. You've already had guilt. And so I, I hope that here you're not feeling more guilt. That's not my intention. That's not my goal. And I know some of you, you did everything you could. You did everything you could to keep a marriage. And somehow it didn't work. It didn't work out. The other person didn't want to work it out, and it ended, and you were devastated. I know there are others. You might quite honestly say, you know, looking back, I did a lot of things that I wish I could have done differently. And you carry the weight of that. And so what I want to do today is not focus on the past. We can't change the past. But I do want to focus from this day forward. I want to look forward to tomorrow 
and our future. No matter what happened in our marriages in the past, from this day forward, forward, we as Christians are never going to give up because we serve a God who said that all things are possible. So what I want to do is look at Matthew chapter 19. We've already looked at this passage earlier, I think in week number two. But I want to revisit this passage in Matthew chapter 19. The Pharisee approached Jesus, and the Pharisees always up to something no good. I mean, they're always trying to trick Jesus. They're always trying to fall, get Jesus to fall into a trap. And they're trying to twist his words. And so that's what's happening here. And, uh, but Jesus responded and just took the answer that they gave him to a level, to a whole another level. I mean, blew them out of the water. And if you were a listener, if you were listening to the conversation, if you were watching Jesus give this answer, you would have been blown away. It would have just shocked you. And so I want to look here in verse number three. Some Pharisees, religious people, they came to Jesus to test him. And they asked, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason. And here's how Jesus replied. He said, haven't you read? And then he quote again, he quote from a passage in Genesis. He said that at the beginning, the creator made them male and female. And said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united They will cleave to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. He goes on to say in verse number six, so they are no longer two, but one flesh. Now what Jesus is not saying here is that you no longer have a personality, you no longer have gifts, you no longer lose your identity, not saying that, but what he is saying is that the two, the husband and the wife, are now in God's eyes, one flesh, united before God. And then he said in verse 6, therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. And this would be like taking two pieces of paper. I've got one paper that represents the the husband, and I got the other paper that represents the wife. And it would be like taking these two papers, and when you become married, it's like super gluing, and I got me some crazy glue. We're going to see how this works. I just hope I don't get stuck, you know? All right, here we go. Let me make this work. It would be like taking super glue and, uh, and, and, and pouring it all over on one side of your paper from top to, to bottom, from side to side. And I want to make sure this is nice and good here. And when you get married, in the sight of God, it's like taking these two pieces of paper. There we go. And putting it together. Two become one. They are stuck. They are one. By the way, why do you think divorce hurt so much. It's like ripping your heart out. There's pain. Those of you who've been divorced, you know the pain. 
Those of you whose parents, your parents get divorced, you know the pain. No matter what you believe about it theologically, you know the pain. Because what happens if I try to rip the two papers apart? What happens? Well, if it's been sitting here long enough, and this is crazy glue, so we're going to see how this works. But if we try to rip this apart, you got pieces of paper everywhere. It's a mess. No matter how you look at it, it's a mess. And divorce is painful. It hurts. There's damage. Because when you become one, you become spiritually one, you become physically one, you become emotionally one, you become one. By the way, if you're not married, and you do what married people do, you live outside of the marriage bed, you do what, you violate biblical principle, you are becoming one. You're out of bound, you're out of realm, and when you break up, it's still painful because you were living like a married person, although you might not have been married. It's painful no matter how you look at it. Two becomes one in God's eyes. Therefore, what God has joined together, he said, let no one separate because I don't want to see the pain and the brokenness and the heartaches and the regrets that people go through. Annie Stanley, Pastor Annie Stanley, he said this. You can't unone what God made one. I mean, you can try, but you'll never be the same. It will change you. You can't unone what God has made one. And the problem in our culture is people don't understand what a marriage is. That's the problem in our culture. They have a a, a, a humanistic view, a humanistic idea of a marriage. Now, we talk about this in week number two. I'm not going to break down the whole thing again, but we talk about the difference between a contract and a covenant. Because the world sees marriages like a contract. Let's see a contract. Let's, hey, a contract can be broken. If you want to take note for in way of review, we talk about this in more detail a couple of weeks ago. But a contract is based on mutual distrust. Distrust. A contract limits my responsibility. It increases my rights. It basically says that we're in a contract with one another. I'm in as far as you're in. As long as you hold your end of the bargain, we're good. The moment you violate the bargain, I'm out. And, and vice versa, if you don't like how I'm doing it, then you can call, uh, you can put judgment on me, and you can pull out. Well, it's just a contract. We're in as far as we're in. If you don't live up to my expectations, or if I don't live up to your expectations, I am out. And the world sees our marriage, and they treat marriages like a contract. All right, you know, if it doesn't work out, you know, we just rip it up. You know, I'm out. No big deal. But in the Bible, God teaches us, he teaches us that a marriage is not a contract. A marriage is a covenant. Now, what's a covenant? Covenant is based on mutual commitment. 
mutual commitment. You know, and every marriage has had this part in their wedding ceremony. Every marriage has the vows. They say the vows. And when you say those vows, that's not a contract vow. If you really focus on what you're saying, you're saying a covenant marriage, yet we don't look at it as a covenant. We look at it as a contract. On December 20th, uh, 22nd, 2001, my wife and I, you know, we were in our, I was in my tuxedo, and she was in her wedding dress. And we stood in front of a crowd of 300, 400 people down in Pensacola, Florida. In December, the weather was still nice. It was a nice place to be. You could be out there, and we were just enjoying it. It was a beautiful wedding. Christmas was right around the corner. And I remember standing in front of my wife and repeating these covenant vows to her. I said, Scott, do you take Karen to be your wife, to have and to hold from this day forward for better or for worse, in sickness and in health? For richer or for poorer, forsaking all others, be faithful to her as long as she makes you happy. No, 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 no. As long as she fulfills her end of the deal. No, no, no. As long as nobody else comes around. No. That's not part of the vows. We said, as long as you both shall live, I will be faithful to you. As long as we both shall live. There's no end date to this. See, a contract has an end date. After one year, two years, five years, however the deal is. And then at the end of it, you can either break away move on, or we negotiate for a new contract. But there is no end date in a marriage, a covenant. It is until death do it part. So help me God. And that's why we never give up. That's why we never throw in the towel. That's why we never wave the white flag and say, I'm out. Because we believe it's a covenant marriage until we both until we both give up in death, until death do its part. We can't unwind what God made one. Now, what happens when marriage is difficult? What happens when you're going through a season of your marriage? Well, it might be going through a dry season. Maybe you're out of rhythm with your husband or with your wife. Oh, we all go through this. Pastor Scott and Karen go through this. We do not have a perfect marriage. We don't. We have work. We have a fissure up of marriage. If you think, well, Scott, you're pastor Scott, you're the man of your cloth, you know. Your, your family is so perfect, you know, and, and you got it all together. It, we don't. 
we're, we're still working it, and we still have times. Now, the question was asked one time to Billy Graham and, and his wife. There was an interview. And they had been married for a long, long time, and, of course, they're both have passed away. And in the, in, the, in the interview, they say, have you ever in your long marriage, have you ever considered divorce? And, and not Billy Graham, but his wife, he looked at the interview and said, no, but I have considered killing him. We have gone, hey, all of us, we have those patches of time, season of life, but we're just not feeling it with each other. We're out of sync. We have that dry season. So what do you do? What do you do when you're trying and you're seeking God, you're hoping to love and just not getting anywhere? What do you do? We're going to close here with a principle called the principle of sowing and reaping. The principle of sowing and reaping. I want to encourage you to remember this principle. For those, if you're not married, this can be such a good foundational teaching for you. You can apply this in almost every area of your life, but we're going to make some applications here for our marriage list. So Galatians chapter 6, verse number 7 and 8 and 9. The Bible says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please the flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit, you know, you seek God and you seek God and over and over and over again, from the Spirit, you'll reap eternal life. Verse number 9. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. If we do not give up. Two principles from Galatians chapter 6, 7, 8, and 9. Number one, you reap what you sow. You reap what you sow. If I put an apple seed in the ground, am I going to get an orange tree later? Of course not. If I plant an apple seed, I'm going to get me an apple tree. You reap what you sow. If someone smiles back at you, they're likely to smile back, back at you, right? You reap what you sow. If somebody flips you off, what are you likely to do? You pray for them. <laughs> you bless them because you're Christian, right? You don't sow back what the, you know, don't reap what they sow, right? In a marriage, if your spouse Show grace, compassion, and thoughtfulness. What are you likely to show back? Grace, compassion, and thoughtfulness. If you're always complaining, comparing, 
You're always being critical over and over and over again. What's going to happen? Well, your spouse is likely to come back being defensive, anger, self-justification, things that are not good. Here's the point I'm trying to make. The harvest depends on the seed that you plant. The harvest depends on the seed that you plant. Now, man, don't miss this. This is so important. Man, you've got to hear this. You've got to understand this. You have to remember that women are multipliers. It's so important. They're multipliers. You give them your bachelor pad, and they will bring back, they will make your bachelor pad your simple little house, and they will make it a beautiful house. Everything will match. It's going to smell good. Right? Because they multiply what you gave them. I remember when my wife and I, you know, we started dating. And I said, hey, come over. I'll make you a dinner. And I made her a steak. You know, I love steak. I didn't ask her if she liked steaks. You know, and uh, I made steaks. And, and I prepared the meal. And I, and I set it down. I said, here, honey, have a meal. And she said, well, where are the size? I said, you don't need no size for steak. <laughs> steak is all you need. So, no. Let me start cooking. She turned that kitchen into a, re- a real meal. I start having, wow, sides and mashed potatoes and, and gravy and green beans and all that good stuff. So women are multipliers when you give them, when you invest. You give them flowers and affection, communication and tenderness in your heart. They might give you some belly button to belly button time. I don't know. But they're multipliers. You reap what you sow. Guys, listen, if you give them a hard time, you're just making it worse. Because they will bring it back to you. They will bring down the thunder. So here's the bottom line for all of us. If you don't like what you're getting, look at what you've been given. Mm, that preach right there. If you don't like what you're getting, look at what you've been given. You will always reap what you sow. Here's the second principle here. You reap where you sow. You reap where you sow. If I plant a seed over here, Am I going to get the plant over here? No. If I plant a seed over there, the plant is going to grow where I planted it. You reap where you sow. If I plant all my energy and all my effort and all my passion into my hobby, is that going to help my marriage get better? Of course not. Now, my golf game might get better. Your gardening might get better. Your hunting might get better. But it's not going to help the marriage. If I put all of my energy into my kids, all my energy into my kids, and then we become children-centered parents or child 
self-centered parent. Is that going to help my marriage? No. No, we're going to have great kids. But our marriage is not being focused on if we're putting all of our energy in our kids, if we're putting all of our energy in our hobbies, if we put all of our energy and passion into our career, is that going to help our marriage? Of course not. We might get a promotion. We might get a better, a better position. And by the way, all these things are good. I'm not saying you can't have a hobby. I'm not saying you can't work. You have to work. I'm not saying that you can't have kids or be around kids. But I am saying that you've got to sow where you reap. And you've got to put some effort in your marriage. You have to be intentional. You have to protect the priorities. You have to keep the main thing the main thing. You have to focus on what's important because if your marriage isn't working, it can cause a ripple effect that ruins everything else. It can destroy everything else. We have to keep the main thing the main thing. What is the main thing? Seek God. Seeking God, pray. Hold nothing back, serving one another. Having fun. Having a face-to-face and side-to-side and belly-button, belly-button times. Fight fair. Manage those conflicts. It's not going to be easy. But the reward for working hard is worth it. Don't give up. The story is told about Frank Sinatra. Some of you young guys, young ladies, you don't know who Frank Sinatra is, but some of the older crowd here, they know who he is. Man, he could sing. He was the Justin Bieber of the back, you know, back in the 60s, all right? He was, he was that kind of guy, all right? Maybe not a cool Justin Bieber, but, you know, he got the, the voice, and he could grow out a crowd. He, he could grow out a crowd, and, and he, was sing, he was about to perform one time, and, and there was the... Um, a performance, like an opening performance, before Frank Sinatra came out the scene, and with Buddy Rich. Now, Buddy Rich, at this time, was 60 years old, and he's a famous drummer. If you ever seen Buddy Rich drums, he, was, he could drum. But people were like, man, Buddy Rich, man, he's been kind of, you know, on the shelf a little bit late, lately. No one hasn't seen him much, and so he kind of came out. He can be the opening drum show for Frank Sinatra. So Buddy Rich sat down. People were kind of a little disappointed. People were like, man, this is going to be a waste of time. Buddy Rich, I mean, he kind of a has-been. He get behind his drum set. And he started pounding on the drums. People said they were mesmerized by the cadence and the rhythm and the drum skill of Buddy Rich. People were blown away. And after a 12-minute set, Buddy Rich playing nonstop with a big band playing behind him, and he's just bringing down the house. And after it was all done, the people stood and, and standing ovation. They roared. They, they were shouting out, man, that was amazing. Wow. About that time, Frank Sinatra, he comes out. I mean, he's clapping. He's looking at Buddy Rich. He said, man, can't that guy Drum or what? People say, yes, what a drummer. How amazing that was. And then Frank Sinatra made a statement. He says, sometimes 
it's a good idea to stay at a thing. Sometimes it's a good idea to stay at a thing. Buddy Rich is so good at what he does. It's a good idea for him to never give up and to keep playing what he does best. I'm staying here this morning in our marriage. Don't give up. Don't give up. By the way, when I say we're not giving up, what I'm not saying is, all right, well, I'm just going to clench it and bear it and just live the rest of my miserable marriage for the rest of my life. We're just going to make it work. Well, now I'm so unhappy, but you know, we're not going to give up. That's not what I'm saying. Here's what I'm saying. I'm saying that we're never going to give up on having a God-honoring, a God-blessed marriage. That we never stop seeking God. We pray. We don't stop. We never stop fighting fair. We're going to fight, yes. We're going to have conflict, yes. But we're going to stop fighting fair. We're going to have fun. We're going to make all the time for each other. And we're not going to hold nothing back. We're going to serve one another with everything we are. And we are never, ever going to give up because the Bible says that we don't grow weary in doing good. We're at the proper time. What is the proper time? Is the time now? It may not be yet. The time may not be here yet. God knows the time. And God always is best at our timing. God's timing is perfect. But at the proper time, the Bible says, you will reap a harvest. What could be your harvest? What does your harvest look like? I don't know. But let me give you some ideas. If you will keep seeking God, fighting fair, holding nothing back, having fun, and never giving up, if you continue to make God your number one and your spouse your number two, if you forgive when you've been hurt, and confess sin when you need to confess, and work through issues, and get counseling when you need it, and to get help from a life group when you need it. And you put your head back down, and you get back in the game. Why? Because this marriage that you're in is not a contract. It's a covenant before a holy God. And if you do that, if you stay with it, what could happen in proper time? What would happen when the time to harvest? Well, let me tell you. You could have a testimony. You could have an amazing testimony. You could say, look, this is where we were. And we weren't looking like we were going to make it. But God came through. And we protect the priority. We started making God number one. We started fighting fair and, and, and serving one another. We started to to serve and, and to have fun and to go on dates and, and make our lives a priority. And we protected the priority. God came through and our fists are up our marriage. And we have a great marriage now. Some of you might say, man, you won't believe how bad it was. But look how God has changed us. Some of you might, your testimony, testimony might be, man, you want to believe how unfaithful I was as a husband? But man, God has changed me into a man of God. You want to believe how neglectful I was in our marriage, but now we have a wonderful marriage. Some of you would say, your kids will look on, they will grow up, and they say, man, mom and dad didn't always have it easy. But they still stuck through it. 
They understood their vows. They meant what they said in their vows. They understood the covenant between them and the holy God. And they said, you know what? And they never gave up. They always stuck by each other. For better, for worse. For richer, for poorer. From this day forward, we will be faithful to each other until death do us part. Never give up. Because I say it's a good idea to stay at a thing. Never give up. We have a holy God who loves you, who died for you, and he never gave up on us. He had the whole world to give up on. He could have just thrown it away. Jesus could have called it quit in the Garden of Gethsemane before he got to the cross. He could have said, God, I'm done. Take me out of there. But he didn't give up. And he came. He died on the cross. And he rose again. And he gives you eternal life. And then he said, here's the love that we need to have for each other. Unconditional love. And I've demonstrated this love. When I died on the cross for you, while you were a sinner, while you were messing up, you weren't even in halfway, you weren't even in anywhere, I still came through while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. I pray that we start to mirror the love, be a conduit of the God love, because we can't do this, to have God's love shine through us in our marriage. It's a good idea to stay out of things. Never give up. Our Heavenly Father, we love you and we thank you today. We thank you that we have the challenge to never give up, to never, ever let go. God, thank you that you demonstrated perfect love. How you came, you died on the cross for us, and you showed us this perfect love. God, although we are not perfect, and we'll never be perfect in the way that we love, God, you can help us to love as best as we can, to love like you love us, and to never give up. To never give up. To never, ever give up in our marriage. God, maybe we're not, some of our couples here, they're falling out of love. They're not, they're, maybe they're in a dry spot right now. God, I pray that today they go back to the love that they had when they first met. To remember that day when they love each other. And they go back to the basic things that they did back then. God, I pray that they would start making you number one. God, I pray that they would start fighting fair and having fun. God, I pray that we will hold nothing back, always serving and submitting to one another. God, I pray that we'll never give up. God, I pray here as we listen to this last song. I pray that we will contemplate what we need to do in our physical of our marriage. Not what he needs to do, not what she needs to do, but what I need to do. God, change us. Work in our hearts first. And then work on our marriage. God, I pray that you help us here. Help us to listen to this last song. In your name I pray. Amen.
band can sing the song, you should stay seated. After you're done, my wife and I are going to come up here. We're going to have a closing prayer for all of our married couples in here. And we want to pray for you. We want to pray for your marriage. Because I know this. I know that the marriages are under attack in our world. And Satan, he's leading the church. He would, not, he would love nothing more for you, for your marriage, your physical upper marriage, to fall apart. That's what he's hoping for. We're not going to let him. We're going to ask God for strength and to help us. We're going to invite Karen, my wife, to come up here. What a journey we've been on this last four or five weeks. If you missed any of this sermon series, I hope that you go on our website and and just review these sermons and uh, just listen to these messages that are so important. We're praying for you, praying for your marriage. Some of you are dating. You maybe you've got a boyfriend or girlfriend. I, I, I say there's some habits right now that you can focus on as couples. Perhaps you're single, you don't, you're not dating nobody, you're waiting. And you're waiting, you're patiently for the proper time, don't quit being, doing good. For the proper time, God will bring a harvest. And so you start doing good now. You, you can't change your future partner, but you can start focusing on you. You can make God your priority, seeking God. You can learn how to manage conflict just with other people. Family, some little things we talk about that foundational. And I pray that you would do this as well. And we want to pray for everybody. We want to pray for our married people. Married folks, whether you've been married 50 plus years or you've been married for five months. Maybe we want to pray for those that are dating. That you'll stay pure, you'll do right, seek God. Pray for those that are single, be patient, to wait for God's best. God has the right person for you. Be patient. Be patient. I know we hate to wait, but be patient and wait on God. And seek Him first. And all these things shall be added unto you. Some of you have had a past. Maybe you said, man, I've been married and didn't go well. God, what's in it for me here? I believe that God still has your best days ahead of you. That God's God of forgiveness, the God of love, and that He will help you. And perhaps there is another person, another man, another woman for you. But I pray for you as well. As you deal with perhaps some of the pains that you've had to dealt with. And to move forward in the in the grace of God's love. I pray for you as well today. Our Heavenly Father. We thank you and we love you for all of us here. We thank you for how you're using us and what we've learned in the last few weeks. One thing we do know, God, is that all of us here are fist-uppers. There's work to do in every one of us. There's work to do in my life. Carrie knows that there's work in her life. There's work in our marriage. God, there's work in every marriage, every couple, every single in this room. And you're not done with us. 
you're still working on it. Philippians 1 says that, that you are working on us to the day of Jesus Christ. And you never stop working, God. You're constantly working on us to be the man and the woman that you want us to be. So that we can have a holy, sacred, covenant marriage for you. God, I pray for those that are dating. God, I pray that they create, that they would create healthy habits now. Not later, but now. Perhaps they're engaged. God, I pray that they would create healthy habits now, not later. God, for single, God, I pray that they would create healthy habits now, and not later. So that when they do get married, they're bringing in a pattern, a habit of healthiness and spiritual growth. God, be with those that have been divorced. God, I know the pain, I know that they've experienced pain and they've been hurt. God, I pray that you will help them to move forward. No matter what happened in the past, they can't change the past. But we can't change our future with, our, with the help of you. And so God, we seek your forgiveness. We seek your mercy and grace. And help us to show us our next step. So God, I pray for all of us here. I pray that we continue to grow. I pray we never give up as we seek you both in everything that we do. In your name I pray. Amen.